This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Good morning to you. It is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Have you pulled a good one yet on anybody? Yeah. I was trying to think what guy, yeah, Mark Falk's a big uh, smiling guy. I couldn't think of a good one to pull and be kind. <laughs> that's that's the whole thing about uh, April Fool's Day. Yep. Have you have you had a chance to pull one yet? I, I pulled a little prank on our our training coordinator in the office this morning. So uh, <laughs> our EMS training coordinator Jamie Lee, who I, I had all opportunity to pull April Fool's prank on him. So I, I got one out of the way early. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to be talking this morning about uh, things that you need to be thinking about this time of the year. New things happening. Spring is uh, a time of. Uh, of, of rebirth, uh, and it's beautiful outside. Uh, certainly different from yesterday, certainly different from a week ago. Well, we had some torrential rains a week ago. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue and the other fire and rescue departments around the community were all busy for several days. I was, uh, I, I was, I'll have to say I was shocked, and we talked briefly about this when you came in. We we're always telling people, don't drive on areas that have water going over them because it doesn't take much to float a car. And there was a picture on Facebook, I think, of a big fire truck that had floated off the roadway. Uh, you don't think about things like that uh, being floated away. Yeah, and in, in normal circumstances, you know, like with the amount of water that we've had and the movement of the water, um, things like that can happen. And, and from, from what I understand, the Nashville incident with their, their fire apparatus, they, they were driving across a very small amount of water that did not have a lot of flow to it, um, but couldn't really see the roadway very well. And that's another issue with driving on flooded roadways is you can't tell where the lines are. You can't see where the road boundaries are and et cetera. And uh, I think they got a, a front wheel off on, on the truck and were unable to get the truck back out of the side of the road, off the side of the road. And then the water continued to rise, eventually, you know, floating the truck completely off the road. Uh, the firefighters were not in the truck at the time that it went completely off the road. They were in a safe place and all that stuff, but they were unable to get it pulled out in time for that. But, but yeah, I've experienced, um, in, when, I was a, when I was a driver engineer working for the Knoxville Fire Department, I drove across. We were responding to another area in what looked like an inch or two of water coming across the road, kind of down a hill off of a, a, a parking lot. Um, what looked like a very minimal amount of water coming across the road that we could easily drive through in a 40-ton truck. Uh, I, I go through that water, and literally you could feel the truck move sideways as we're rolling through the water. And so it's, and if it'll move a 30-ton truck, 30-to-40-ton um, truck, then it's easily going to move a vehicle, a car, or anything else like that, uh, as well as uh, you know, persons can't stand in that water or get across that water. You think that you can tread across that water, but if there's a lot of flow going with water, it can quickly sweep your feet out from under you and sweep you downstream very quickly um, and we just ask people to be very cognizant of that stay stay safe when they're doing in and around 
floodwaters and moving waters and and all those things and there's all kinds of things to talk about with you know when it relates to flood water not just the driving through it um, not getting in it um, yourself even if you've got standing flood water uh, the issues with standing flood water you can have contaminants in that water uh, you know, especially if water gets above the, your uh, toilet lines and stuff like that, uh, you can actually have raw sewage in water um, that may be standing water. You can have gasolines or fuels in water. You know, if you've got a gas can that's sitting out in the garage, if water gets above that gas can level, it's going to float the gas out of there. And so you can have petroleum products and other chemicals that are in water when you're standing in there. So we, we really ask people to be very cognizant of, of their environment when they're around water you know it's just not even standing water after the it's kind of started to recede we just ask people not to be in standing water let that water completely recede down before you're going back into that environment uh, it's just not a safe place to be as far as the bacteria and the chemicals and all the other things that you're dealing with when you get into those environments and you mentioned about the gasoline getting into the water i know we were out uh, doing some news uh, things on the day after this happened and there was a smell of gasoline at a few of the places. I mean, it was just saturating the air. You didn't yeah. have to be out for a long period of time. No, and, it's, and it becomes very dangerous because, you know, those are chem- chemicals, petroleum. They're still very flammable because uh, they'll float on the surface of water once they get floated up. And so still very flammable, and we just want to make sure people are cautious because a lot of people just don't think. You know, their their first instinct is, I've got to go check on my house. I've got to go make sure that my stuff is okay. I've got to do, do this. But really let that water completely recede down before that happens and make sure that there's no chemicals, no uh, bacteria stuff in it, no raw sewage, different things like that that can happen when we have this type of a flood event um you know this was um kind of a historic event as far especially as far as the flow of the river and the amount uh, of flow that we had on the river and you know talking to sam huddleston our development services director and we were working this weekend um, had inspectors from uh, our city codes department the street department and uh, public works department as they always do did a fantastic job in the days prior to the event knowing that it's coming they were out making sure that they were cleaning drains out making sure that they had um, head walls uh, that were completely cleaned out for this drainage system so that's why we had as little flooding as we did is just because of the preparation of our public works department and the things that they did in advance and then they were out during the entire event making sure that we were cleaning drains and that they could kind of keep everything flowing as properly as they could as well as closing streets Um, and some of the things that we saw when we were closing streets were people moving barricades and and doing those kind of things but uh, you know talking with Sam and talking with some of the others you know this was at least a 50-year flood uh, that we know probably between a 50-year and 75-year flood event that we had on the amount of rainfall that we had within a 24-hour period and then it was followed up by additional rain so it just kind of complicated that whole endeavor and and the city and the engineering department, the street department, public works, the development services, codes department, they all work very, very hard to make sure that we, once we experience an event, we learn from those events and we put measures in place to prevent flooding from those happening. And literally, we didn't see a lot of homes impacted by water within our city because of the work that those departments do con- constantly to make sure that we're a we're above all of that and making sure that we're doing the things that we need to do with that. And uh, that really helps us out because once we don't have homes affected, we don't have rescues to go in and, and rescue people from their homes. It's just having to deal with some of the people that want to drive through the water or get out and do things on the water and things like that. And and so, you know, there's there's certain aspects that are still being impacted. You know, the greenway system is still impacted by because it flows right 
goes right beside the river where the river's flowing. The, the river's still elevated in places, and so the greenway can still be dangerous. Uh, a lot of people like to get kayaks out on the river when it's when it's flowing this well because it's fun and exciting, but it is very, very dangerous at this point in time to be out on the river and, and going into those environments. And so we just ask people to be very cognizant of that. Uh, be very safe and you know err on the side of caution and don't don't get into those type of uh, environments especially if you're inexperienced there's one area the west thompson lane trailhead was totally closed but i noticed uh, we we did look at that and and got a few pictures of it uh, this is the first time i think in no maybe the second time in 30 or so years that we recall seeing that parking lot totally underwater i mean totally underwater yes and we have uh pictures of a kayaker floating across the uh, parking lot two kayakers <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's what we ask people you know especially experience level this is not you know something for a first time a person that's very inexperienced or the first few times that they've ever been kayaking to get out on waterways like this and in, in these type of flood environments it's just not safe to do uh, and that's where we have some of our rescues or not just during the events, but following the events because people want to recreationally get out on the water. And it's just not safe to do so with this type of flow that we're having with the Stones River uh, and doing those things. And that's when we see a lot of rescue events happen in the, the last several floods that we've had. I'm not aware of any that we've had after this event as far as the river and going and getting kayakers. But after events that we've had on flooding before, we've gotten several people out of the water, out of trees, you know, in the middle of the water um, that got out into the water and got overwhelmed uh, and had to be rescued by our teams. Of course, over at the Walter Hill Dam, which is a city park, uh, that dam is pretty tall, and yet the water was almost, you, you almost could not see the dam. Yeah, and it's the same thing with the Lowhead Dam over here at on uh, near uh, Searcy Street and Medical Center so Parkway. Is that the Sportsman's Club location? Yes, Hello. the Sportsman's Club, and, and that, is and that dam is basically, yeah. you know, it's not even visible because the water is just a constant flow over the top of it, and that's a lot of water uh, and a lot of flow, and it gets really dangerous really quickly. And and the houses that are along Riverview, uh, the water was almost up to their homes. I had not noticed that before. Yeah, and we, we mentioned it was a very historic flood as far as, you know, we, we saw water levels in places, just like you mentioned the parking lot at the Cason Trailhead. There are places that we see water flow and, and saw water levels um, that were more than what we saw during the 2010 floods that impacted Nashville the way that it did. And, of course, that impacted Murfreesboro some. Um, but, you know, we, our water levels were higher here for this event than they were during the 2010 floods that impacted the area like it did. Uh, here's a note from a listener. They said that they were out looking at things uh, the day afterwards, and they noticed that one area that seems so obvious they see people having problems there at any time it floods, and that is the underpass on West College Street. Uh, and I'd like uh, this person uh, who sent this to us, that looks like a problem area before it rains. Yeah, and it and it's it's a low area, and there's just not with the where that railroad trestle is and the roadway because of the railroad. Um, railroad tracks are not easy to move and, and and engineer around, and so those are things that railroad trestle is very low under there, and so we affected I think two rescues during the event Saturday really? night. So two people thought into, they could get into through Sunday there. that thought that they could get through there, you know and. Like I said, if we put barricades up closing an area, if our street department goes out and puts barricades up, respect those barricades. We're putting them up for a reason. We're not trying to cause you delays in time or anything like that. We're trying to make sure that you're safe. 
and those are the things that we want to do and we're trying to do that at all costs and uh and when you move those and get in that environment you're not just putting yourself at risk you're putting our rescuers at risk plus you're tying up rescuers that may need to go on another rescue somewhere else for someone getting getting trapped in somewhere else or, or those kind of things and so we just ask people if those barricades are up just respect that leave them there uh don't move them and and don't even try to get through that water at those areas what would the water the depth would be way over the top of a car yeah it can be in, in times and, and people think that you know they they see a little bit of water most cars or most vehicles even suvs um when you get water above the level of your tailpipe and your car can no longer emit exhaust you know because of the can't push it out because of the water getting into your tailpipe and it it will flood your engine out and then you're stuck in the middle of that water and so it doesn't take a whole lot of water um, to get to that tailpipe level on most all vehicles and even suvs or things that are, may set a little bit higher and so we just ask people that that's what causes the flood outs and you think that hey i can just run right through here and and most of the time you can't and then if that water's moving crossways across the road it will literally like we talked about earlier sweep you off the road and, and that basically is a basin right there on west college which just holds water it's like you're driving into a bathtub yes <laughs> it, it can be yep so be aware of that. And, and you know if you do it enough People are going to try to figure out a way to close that road. I mean, the city would have to do that and then figure out a way around it. And that's a historical place. I mean, yes, it is. don't eliminate that. Uh, yeah. It's a fun thing uh, when it's dry outside. Yes, it is. And <laughs> and we just want to make sure, like we said, respect the closures. That That's the reason we're putting them in place. And, and, it, and it's very easy to drive around that and not just kind of go through that closure. Another area that uh, was deeply underwater was the uh, the old Fort Park golf course. There were areas of that. I guess, were there any serious golfers out trying on the dry areas? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Uh, of course, you know, the, the storm happened after hours. Or, or we got a lot of the water after hours on Saturday, after dark on Saturday, and that's when it really started to, the water really started to rise, and we started to see a lot of events happening was in the, in the latter part of Saturday into Sunday morning and on through Sunday morning with some of the rescues. And so we're uh, we're hoping that no golfers were out there at that point in time, but we're, we haven't heard of any. Um, but, yeah, it's with the river flowing out through there. You know, like I said, we, we got the river up into those areas. Our station four is right behind the golf course over on Medical Center. Um, and so, you know, we had we had a lot of water up in the floodways. Searcy Street Trailhead was just as flooded as the Case and Lane. All of the parking lot was pretty much impacted by the water uh, for that event. And so it's the... Uh, the, the water levels really were high. Here's another text from a listener. This one says, I used to live in the log cabins uh, right off of Bridge Avenue, and that was quite a few years ago. And in those years, uh, the city or somebody built a large berm behind the log cabins to reduce the flooding that was always a problem. This year I went by to look at uh, the old cabin where I used to live, and there was water up all around it, and cars uh, had water up to the top of the wheels, at least. Uh, and one of them had uh, water almost covering the entire car. Uh, is there nothing that can be done about these areas? Yeah, the city is actually looking at that West Main Bridge Avenue area. Our, our crews, anytime that we've had flooding, a lot of times we will go in and warn the residents, especially if they're new residents that haven't lived there through an, through an event before, to make sure that they get the higher ground because we know that those cabins are going to flood. They're just in a low spot. Um, 
those are privately owned captain cabins, so we have to you know make sure that we respect the ownership of those cabins and and those kind of things. But the city is kind of working through that and try, and trying to get uh, remedies in place as far as that goes with those cabins. But but yeah, all of those cabins wound up underwater during the event. Our crews went over Saturday night before the cabins were even. Uh, I think they had a little bit of water in, around some of the cabins in the backyard of, of the lowest cabins, uh, but we asked all those residents to leave, and they respected that and left, and, and then wound up the water was up into the cabins um, before Sunday morning ever hit. And so Sunday morning they were completely underwater, probably three to four feet of water inside most all of those cabins that were over there. Wow. Uh, are, are there other areas of town that seem to be regulars as far as flooding goes? Yeah, there are areas that you have to be concerned about. You know, West College Street, the underpass there, there, there are certain roads that are going to get water that, you know, they're just in low areas, and there's just not a lot you can do to increase some of the elevations in those. And when you get historically significant amounts of rainfall, there's just not a lot you can do about it. But like I mentioned before, there have been, besides those cabins, there were very few homes affected that actually had water inside of the house. Um, and I attribute that to the great work of our engineering department and the public works and development services and all the, the things that they do. Like I've mentioned before, they they put these measures in place, and when they see problems, they solve problems. And even problems that we saw last February and the February before that um, are, are resolved just because you know we don't have a we don't seem to have issues with those any longer because measures engineering measures or um, measures were put in place to resolve all those things. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. If you have a question or a comment this morning, give us a call, 615-893-1450. We're talking this morning about Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Chief Mark Folks is with us. The number again, 615-893-1450. We're going to pause for just a moment, and then uh, we will return and continue with your questions. Again, we're taking text messages as well as phone calls at 615-893-1450. He knows each pain. He sees each tear. He understands. Break in with traffic, news, and weather bulletins anytime. Good Neighbor Talk is your 24-7 connection. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States. And you can order that soup online at DemasFamilyKitchen.com. Hi, this is Amanda at Animal City. Come see us at 919 Northwest Broad Street here in Murfreesboro. Now is a great time to consider flea and tick protection for your pet. We carry a full line of flea and tick products for dogs, cats, rabbits, and ferrets. We also carry a variety of hard-to-find products for your specialty pets. So if you need a pouch for your sugar glider or food for your hedgehog, come see us at Animal City. You can find Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. 
Good morning. Traffic still moving right now here on 24 up through the Hickory Hollow area. It's actually looking better where they opened up all the lanes for that earlier wreck near OHB. Just busy out here in the normal spots coming up and down. Sections of Middle Tennessee Boulevard up by the college and it's picked up also on Last Cassius Pike. You never know when you might need them. Free at last bell bonding. Serving Davidson, Williamson, and Rutherford counties. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon, high in the upper 40s. Northwest winds at 10 to 20 miles per hour, at times gusting as high as 30. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 33. Old friends, new name, better together, as First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank. Our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. You may think money problems are just impossible to fix. Get sound advice with Dave Ramsey, one to four weekdays, followed by certified financial planner Jason Qualls at four. How high is the water, Mama? Four feet high and rise. How high is the water, Papa? She said it's four feet high and rise. Hey, come look through the window pane. The bus is coming, gonna take us to the train. Looks like we'll be blessed with a little more rain. Four feet high and rise. That's one of the classics about flooding. Johnny Cash. How high is the water? Five feet high and rising. Remember that one? I do. (laughs) Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Visiting with us this morning, the chief of the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue, Mark Fawkes. And uh, what kind of awareness? Tell us what we should be doing uh, before. it's, It's before that's important. Uh, what the preparation we need to do? Yeah, any any of these storm events, you know, there's if you live in a low lying area, just make sure that you've got uh, the supplies. If you're going to be limited on the ability to get to your home because of flooded roadways or flooded things like that, uh, if your home historically, you know, if you're in an area of the county or otherwise, or in an area where your home may flood, if you get a lot of rainfall and they're calling for those things, just try to get someplace safe and make sure that you're doing that. But but especially when it comes to severe weather. You know, we're, we're at a time of year right now where we see the most in Middle Tennessee um, of severe weather, where we've got severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, other things like that. And we just ask everybody to make sure that you're prepared on those things. And, uh, and that goes from everything from the obvious, making sure that life safety is there first and foremost, uh, that you've got a safe place within your home, uh, some, a room in your home with no windows, interior walls, only uh, an interior bathroom or a closet or underneath a stairwell or anything like that to where you can um, can get to safety. Uh, consider the tornado shelters and, and things like that that they can actually put in your home uh, to be able to, to utilize those for, for safety when it comes to severe thunderstorms or tornadoes that may happen. But, but even just the small stuff can help out a lot um, as far as around your home. Uh, keeping loose items around your home uh, secure or securing those things and that can be anything from uh, furniture that you may have outside to cushions to other uh, materials that may be outside and different things like that we just want to make sure that everybody's safe and just like preparing by having a working smoke alarm 
We want you to prepare by having an alarm notification, some kind of a notification system, and a lot of times it's better to have two of those things in, in intact as far as a notification for severe weather. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, now we've got uh, the severe weather notifications you can receive on your cell phone. And so if you have a cell phone, you can receive those notifications, and we just want to make sure that everybody's utilizing that. You have to have the um, 911 service location capable turned on on your cell phone, and we recommend that everybody have that on all the time anyway. Uh, you're not By doing that, you're not giving someone the ability to see your location that's not a 911 service or an emergency service provision. It's just those emergency-type service provisions that are, they're the only ones that can kind of see that location. Um, but it helps us out 911 call-wise to have that location turned on because we can pinpoint your location based on where your cell phone is directly and then for emergency notifications those locations are used to pinpoint exactly where you're at and if your house is in a tornado warning or a severe thunderstorm warning area then you will receive those alerts on your phone and and so those are configurable Uh, you can look at those but make sure that those alerts are there Uh, they have weather radios that are also very good but just an example we had the tornado warnings that happened last week uh, and, and me and my family, we sought shelter after we come under the warning in our safe place in our home. Uh, but there were a couple of warnings that hit Rutherford County that alerted off on the TV that were alerts uh, because those those TV alerts are going to alert off to the entire county. But we didn't receive them on our phone because where we were at in location uh, was not exactly where the, the warning area was. And so the, the, the phones are very pinpointed on your location, and so they're going to give you that warning uh, about those tornadoes. But uh, but especially when you receive those warnings, if you're driving a vehicle, and vehicles are not safe to be in when you're in a tornado area, you know, get to a safe place, get off the road, get into a ditch or another secure structure or something like that to make sure that you're safe within those because a tornado can easily pick up a car uh, and hurl it through the air. And so we just want to make sure that everybody's safe when it comes to, to those things and, and seeking that safe place and locations within their homes and, and doing those things at all times. And, and like we said, you know, we, we, we kind of push that fire prevention stuff all the time about making sure that uh, your heating sources and cooking sources and having smoke alarms in place, it's just as equally as important on preparedness for severe storms, uh, making sure that you're safe and, and stay in safe environments all the time. Here's a text from a listener who said, I'm glad you brought that up because I've often wondered at night when we have a lot of storms hit the area, I usually have my phone turned off and in the charger uh, will it come on on its own to alert me of a problem? It will not. You would have to make sure that you are, have the phone on uh, on the charger. You can put it on the charger and leave the phone on, and then the alerts will go off and will sound off. But if your phone's turned off, it, the, the alerting system doesn't have a way to turn it on. In fact, it can't even see your phone, um, location of your phone, when your phone is turned off. Okay, and we have another text from a listener, and, and they're blaming a certain uh, agency, but I won't mention that agency's name because I'm not sure that they're at fault on this. But they say uh, several years ago, the county road crew kept the ditches cleaned out, and now they are full of everything. The water has nowhere to go but to flood. And and I, we were talking the other day with some of the officials, uh, and, and they were talking about we're, we're seeing an increased problem of people throwing trash out uh, in, in, you know, just everywhere, uh, ditches, whatever, putting out uh, refrigerators, uh, sofas, things of that sort, and that will create some problems. Yeah, and, and the issues are, um, the issues with that 
are, you know, and like I mentioned the other day, our, our city street department and public works department, of course, we clean, you know, we pick up brush and leaves and all those kind of things, grass clippings and, that, and stuff like that inside the city limits. Um, but now's the time of year that everybody's cleaning, cleaning out their mulch beds and cleaning out their stuff, and they're putting all that at the roadway, and they're putting grass clippings for the first few cuttings at the roadway. And, you know, those are picked up on schedule, and they're not going to be picked up the very day that you put them out. And so when we have a rain event, a lot of times those can clog the, the storm gutters. And so what we ask people to do is make sure that they're up out of where the flow of water is going to be down that street or down that storm stormway and, and put them up on, you know, your property or up on the sidewalk area instead of putting them on the street. Because, you know, our, our public works crews do an unbelievable job of going out and, and clearing all these storm drains and the head walls and doing everything that they do. And it's that's contributed heavily to, to decreasing that. But you're, you're kind of fighting a losing battle when you've got all that. And then, like we said, like you just said about littering and people putting stuff out on roadways and different things like that and things falling into ditch lines, you know, there's some of that's personal responsibility by not littering, but it's also, you know, kind of the property owner to keep their property managed and, and tenable and make sure that they keep a lot of that debris and stuff picked up on their own. Uh, and, and with the county, you know, we've, we've got a lot of roadways in the, in the city, but the county has a tremendous amount of roadways too, some of those rural. And, and I know that they just can't get everywhere and clean out every ditch line and every, every little uh, area and things like that. And it's a lot more difficult with the amount of roads that we have now and, and the coverages that you have to do within that to, to keep those out. And so some of that is uh, the citizens can help us by, you know, keeping those debris things off the road keeping your grass clippings and things like that either put them in the bags like we recommend to put them in bags the grass clippings especially and and then leaves and other stuff like that or other tree limbs and things like that kind of keeping them up out of where the water flows because smaller limbs or little branches or little things like that will flow down and actually clog up the storm drains in some cases and and prevent that water from being able to flow like it needs to Here's a text from a listener who said uh, a close family member uh, lost their home recently in a fire, and they're wondering if we see an increase in fires this time of the year, and if so, what can we do to reduce that risk? Yeah, well, on fires, um, this is not really a, what I would call a heavy time. You know, we talked about it um, right. a couple of shows ago about how many structure fires that we had had at that time because the weather was so cold. For, for that long of a period of time. And that's typically when we see a lot of heating fires go on. But fires can happen anytime. Um, you know, there, there can be issues within the home, and that's why we ask everybody to be really cognizant when they're using heating sources and, and making sure that they're very safe when doing that, three feet from any combustible material. Cooking is a lot of what we see with fires. We see a lot of issues with smoking, um, people not properly extinguishing uh, smoking items or things like that or falling asleep while they're smoking and doing things like that. So, you know, those those are always preventable, and, and we want to see that even though we're kind of at a, a time of year, getting into a time of year where our fires start to decrease as far as structure fires go, uh, they can happen at any time. I mean, we can have um, just because of the nature of what we do within our homes. And, you know, and people are home a lot more with COVID and, and working from home and doing those kind of things in this environment, and it just increases that risk because of usage and what you're doing, you know, within your home. And so we just want to make sure that we're uh, taking all the pre- precautions and safety measures and and i say it every time that i'm on this show and i'll say it again we want everyone to have a working smoke alarm um and so 615-893-1422 if you don't have working smoke alarms in your home call us um we'll 
come put smoke alarms in your home uh, or check out the whole situation with that. But we'll put smoke alarms in your home and make sure that we've got working smoke alarms there uh, that you can utilize. And uh, if you live in the county, you can call Rutherford County Fire and they will do the same thing for you. Um, and the same thing with Laverne, Smyrna, uh, all those municipalities will install smoke alarms in your homes. Uh, and so we just want to make sure that everybody's got those because that's the best type of preparation that you can possibly get. And you have a grant, is that right, to put in yeah. fire alarms? Yeah, actually, the, alarms. The, the state fire marshal's office, um, it's called Get Alarm Tennessee. It's a program that is, is available all across the state of Tennessee through the state fire marshal's office. Um, their community outreach section does a fantastic job of uh, providing departments all across the state with materials, uh, community risk profiles, uh, smoke alarms, things like that, that to keep our community safe. And, and we do those smoke alarms through a, a partnership with uh, the state fire marshal's office. And we're actually doing some, uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a, a day where we're going to go out and, and do a front porch campaign to where we're going to some particularly high-risk areas of our city and, and, and asking them to make sure that we've got working smoke alarms and that they're fire safe. Uh, and all those, and that's in conjunction with the state fire marshal's office. Now, so everybody is eligible to get a free smoke alarm. Yeah, and we will actually, it's not a free smoke alarm. We will actually put more than one in your home, more than likely, um, because, as I've mentioned before, we want to have working smoke alarms in every bedroom, outside of those bedroom areas, and at least one on every level of your home. And so those are those are typically where we're going to install those as per recommendations by the National Fire Protection Association to make sure everybody's safe. And I know we've said this before, but let's go over it a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned about the places where they should go. You mentioned every bedroom. Yeah. Uh, any other places? Yeah, every bedroom outside of those bedroom areas and, and in those. We don't recommend them near the kitchen uh, just because of the steam and heat sometimes created within the kitchen and smoke that may come out uh, may trigger false alarms and adversely affect the smoke alarms. And then at least one on every level of the home uh, is what we recommend. But I've always been one of those that, you know, it says every bedroom, but if you've got a den or a bonus room that you typically take naps in um, or something like that during the daytime hours, you may take a nap and things like that. We want you to have working smoke alarms near that as well. That way you're alerted to anything that's going on within your home uh, or something that may happen within that room. Uh, and those are the biggest things that we can do is make sure that those, anytime that you're going to be sleeping or you know not completely aware or awake uh, making sure those smoke alarms are working to to notify you that something's going on within the home now i know in the older days uh, you used to remind people that every time you changed time that was a time to change your batteries yep. in the smoke alarms that's changed also yeah a lot of times now we're install all the alarms we're installing installing now are 10 year lithium ion battery smoke alarms so they're good for 10 years and then they're they go out of, out of, date, out of service and you throw <laughs> them away um, smoke alarms use a little bit of a radio isotope and so um, radiation isotope so that they start to fade out over the years and so at 10 years we recommend getting new alarms um, because they will start to not work as well because of that fade out of that radio isotope that's within them. And so we just want to make sure that everybody's got working smoke alarms that are safe within that range. Um, if you still have battery-powered smoke alarms and you want to get new um, smoke alarms that are 10-year lithium-ion batteries, we can do those. If you still have and want to keep, or if you have uh, wired-in smoke alarms that have battery backup, we do recommend checking those, at least checking them. You may not have to change them twice a year with the time change, 
um, but we want you to check them. And, and, and a lot of times it's a good idea just to, if you're checking them, just go ahead and change the battery and use that battery on something else until it completely runs dry. Uh, and that way you make sure that you've got your fresh batteries and your smoke alarms. Now, does your crew do that for people? I mean, some, some folks are hard, it's hard to get up a ladder. Yeah, we can assist with that, no problem whatsoever. I mean, if they've got, you know, battery wired in smoke alarms that have batteries and they have access problems and getting to them, yeah, we can help them with the battery change outs on those as well. Okay. Just call what number yeah. again? It's 615-893-1422. All righty. We're learning about ways to make your life safer. Uh, and, and the clothing, and, and this is what's amazing. You don't stop and realize uh, you talked about furniture going up in smoke quicker, uh, the the material in, in uh, you know, window uh, draperies and what have you. But our clothes that we're wearing, uh, they're made out of flammable materials oftentimes. Yes. Um, and, of course, cotton can be flammable. But, you know, we're not the amount of pure cotton clothes that you see nowadays is, is not real not a lot I mean you got everything from spandex to nylon to polyester to lacquer all kinds of different materials that clothes are made out of and every single one of those are flammable materials uh, they're made out of synthetics and so any one of those materials can be very flammable uh, so just about anything in homes nowadays uh, or around nowadays, whether it's within your car, whether it's in your home or otherwise, uh, from TVs to furniture to everything else is made out of a lot of synthetic materials. And so if you just look around your home uh, or just look around you right now, there's it's likely that what you're sitting on or what you're looking at as far as TV goes or what you're listening to radio-wise are made out of plastics and, and not normal, natural materials that are very combustible and would give off a, a large amount of heat and flame uh, whenever we have a fire situation. So if you uh, are not sure what uh, your clothes are made out of or your draperies, just consider it being flammable yes. and give yourself plenty of time to get out of the house, get out of there if you see a fire. Yeah, get out and do not go back in. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, we have people a lot of times go back in and they think, oh, I've got a, a wedding ring that I need to get or that's a memorabilia or a keepsake or something like that. The smoke within the home can quickly overwhelm you and, and make it a non-survivable environment in just a very short amount of time. And so we just want to make sure that everybody's safe and not trying to return in to grab things. Um, you know, you know, even with heirlooms and stuff like that, you know, those things and everything else pretty much can be replaced that's within your home. So um, you can't be replaced. And we just want to make sure that everyone is keeping safe and, and being aware of their safety and getting early notification to get out of the home. And then once you're out of that environment, stay out of that environment. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause and check on the traffic and weather. We'll be back for the final segment. So if there's a question that you have for Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks, don't wait around. We're in the final segment, 615-893-1450. You can talk or text right there, 615-893-1450.
The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. Now more than ever, count on WGNS. Why move into a new house and, and leave a home that you already have memories with? Farrah Construction had already done the bathroom. Then we decided to move a wall or two and redo the playroom. If you can dream it, we can turn it into reality. And they did. The best investment in enjoyment that we ever made. We're family here at Farrah Construction. We care about you. This is Ron Hall with Farrah Construction. Call 615-893-6120. I'm Dr. O, and I welcome you to meet our compassionate team at Almaville Farms Family Dentistry. Come check out our new patient special. We're located just off of I-24 on Almaville Road. Almaville Farms Family Dentistry. Come feel the Almaville Farms difference. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. Honoring and remembering those who served in our military, here is today's Salute to Veterans. True American hero, Norm Elzier. In this salute, we talk to a World War II veteran. Your basic training, what was that time period? It took quite a while because after we went to the classroom study, then we had to go up to Apalachicola, Florida, where we took aerial gunnery training and we flew in AT-6s with a 30 caliber machine gun and shooting at that target. The bullets were painted colors and they could tell who shot what. From there, they sent us off to a mechanic school in Shepherdfield, Texas. From there, they sent us to a gunnery school again. It was strictly shooting a 50 caliber at a moving target way down range. From there, we went to California where we joined our bomber crew. Well, Norm, when you shipped out, what was that like? It wasn't too good. The planes, they were all brand new planes, and they were supposed to fly over to Italy. The trouble was the ground officers decided they were going to fly too, so out of the six gunners, two of us had to go by boat, and we drew straws. And I was fortunate enough <laughs> to, to draw one of the boat straws. It took nine days to go across the Atlantic, and it was storm almost all the time. In fact, I came off the boat in a stretcher because I was standing watch on deck uh, three times a day, and, and I got sick. Norm Elzir. This has been a Salute to Veterans on WGNS Radio. Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Locally and veteran-owned. Fast and available 24-7. Join the Home Health VIP program at Restoration One for disaster prevention. Restoration One, the water damage experts. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. This is Tina Fox at the Relaford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your home lawn, garden, and farm needs. We have everything you need to help with your garden, lawns, farms, whatever you need for the perfect gift. For your feathered friends and your furry friends, please come see us. We have baby chicks. You don't have to be a member to shop with us. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is located at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off South Church. Broadcasting to every nook and cranny of Rutherford County's 618 square miles. FM 100.5, 101.9, and AM 1450. 
And we're learning about how to make it even safer as we make it through the rest of springtime. Murfreesboro Fire Chief Mark Fox is with us. And you are encouraging the listeners to sort of stay ahead of times and do some pre-planning. A listener has sent us a question here that's really pre-planning. pre-planning. Uh, in the attic, they're asking about heat. And is there a danger of fire combustion from all the heat buildup in an attic? Typically, no. Um, you know, attics will get into the probably 140, 150 degree range with heat. Uh, even well-ventilated attics will get very, very warm during the summer. And, you know, we just ask people to be careful. Um, you know, we've had some people over the years, they don't have it very often, but you, we've had people actually experience heat exhaustion and heat stroke by trying to work in the attic during those time frames or do something within the attic and, and work up there too long and get, be it overcome by heat. But most of the time, anything that you would store in the attic um, is not going to combust at that level of temperature. Um, the big difference there is we ask you not to store a lot of paints, solvents, um, any kind of um, fuels or gasolines, oils or anything like that in attics because, of course, those things can start giving off vapor a lot qu- more quickly. Um, you know, and it's, it's all kind of about what the material is made out of. You know, solid solid substances such as cardboard boxes or things that you're storing up there, solid surfaces have to become, um, you know, they have to break down basically by heat to get to where they're emitting vapors. Um, anything that's a liquid, uh, especially paints, solvents, you know, uh, gasoline especially with the, the uh, ignition point of gasoline, but anything that you're storing like that, will that's already a liquid will start giving off vapors a lot more quickly and and anything that's a vapor uh, if we get a point of a spark or any type of thing that could go on with that you can get ignition very quickly and so we just want to make sure that everyone's safe when they're doing that and the big thing is just don't store any type of chemicals or gasolines or anything like that in attic spaces because it just gets too hot for those but normal other stuff that you would store up there in normal attics are just not going to reach a combustion level of temperature that's going to cause issues. Here's another text in, probably the last one we can take this morning. Uh, this one says, you've talked a lot about uh, smoke alarms. How about fire extinguishers? Are they important to have? And if so, where should they be and what kind should I get? Yeah, most of the time what we recommend if you want to have fire extinguisher in your home is is a what they call an ABC fire extinguisher, uh, which will extinguish most common combustible type of fires uh, within that. Um, we ask if you're going to keep a fire extinguisher, get a kind of get a readily accessible small extinguisher that's going to be near the living area, like in the kitchen area or something like that. Um, but the, the big thing on fire extinguishers are, you know, we've got, training programs to where we will come to churches, schools, or otherwise and, and teach you how to use fire extinguishers. There's some great information on the National Fire Protection Association's website about 
how to use a fire extinguisher properly. Uh, the big thing is knowing when and when not to use a fire extinguisher. Uh, grease fires uh, in kitchens and things like that, we don't want you to use a fire extinguisher because it can actually push the fire onto the wall surfaces and other areas there because it's going to push the grease uh, and create more combustion there. Uh, we don't want you to uh, try to use it in that situation. Use simply a lid to cover the fire if you can get a lid safely onto the fire or use baking soda uh, on, on those type of grease fires. But any other type of fire, unless it's very, very small, um, we don't want you trying to fight a fire. As we mentioned before about the combustion products that are in homes nowadays, they can get very toxic very quick. And you think that you can put out a fire with the fire extinguisher and, and it's probably gonna be outside of your means to do so if it's a very large fire at all. So the, the big thing is smoke alarms, call a 911 early on to get us there. Uh, as soon as you're smelling smoke or experiencing something like that, that way we can kind of make sure that we never get to that point where we actually have a fire. Um, but fire extinguishers, if you want to have one just for, for pure safety, you can. But um, we recommend really knowing how to use them and knowing what situations to use them in and not try to use them in a situation that's, uh, that's untenable. Um, you know, because a fire can very quickly overwhelm uh, any size fire extinguisher and we're going to have to have a lot of water that we bring with us to put those fires out and we just ask people to be safe and not try to do that. And on that note, we want to say special thank you to Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Fox for joining us this morning. The topics we've covered definitely can save your life. Mark, thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Great to see you. Have a good day. We'll look forward to visiting with you again next month. Looking forward to it. Have a good, safe uh, April Fool's Day. We'll see you tomorrow. It's going to be a good day. Rain, peace,